From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Nudists, some of them, love mac and cheese. Wait, what? What is even going on anymore? It's just so infuriating every time we do these. Let me go get a glass of milk, some of my chocolate chip cookies, and good old supermarket sweep. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling into the 5 o'clock hour here in Vegas, Finley Toyota Studio. Adam Hill on the road helping cover things at our uh, booth number 60. That's the official booth. Booth number 60 for ESPN Las Vegas Radio Row in L.A. getting ready for the Super Bowl. And, you know, I told you about 20 minutes ago, Jared has been working, as you know, what's off. He's running around. He's trying to grab people. And I think he did it. I think he did it. Yeah, he did. He did. LeVar Arrington is hanging out with Adam down on Radio Row, former NFL linebacker, stud linebacker out of Penn State. He's a host on our uh, sister station, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports National Morning Show. And uh, we got him. We got him. So where have you been? You uh, Today's crazy down there, is it not, LeVar? I was just hanging out with Brandon Marshall, you know, the whole I Am Athlete movement. I'm a fan of it. So he, they gave me a hat. They gifted me a hat. So I, I, I'm just newly rocking this bad boy. Well, I mean, you said you're a fan of it. What, what, is, what is it about it that is important to you? You know, the thing, the things that Brandon is doing in terms of raising awareness and opening up conversation lanes that probably weren't there, didn't exist, um, is super important. It's important to the athlete. It's important to the fan base. It's important to the media because I think that anybody who has lived it like Brandon has, who understands it the way that he does and is able to organize the thoughts of it, the concepts of it, and make it plain and clear and simple for people to absorb it and, and, and internalize it, it makes for more understanding, and I think that that leads to better conversations and, and hopefully better relations. Sure. Well, th- speaking of conversations, there's like 18 million things going on right now uh, that I want to get your opinion on, but we'll, we'll start That's a here. whole lot of It is. We're not, not going to ask you about all of them, I promise. Okay. All right. It's all good. Um, I'm here with you. I was just over... Uh, at the Roger Goodell press conference, and there's, you know, obviously the biggest topic of conversation is uh, in diversity of hiring. I don't think there's an easy solution to okay. this. If there was, I think they would find it. Uh, I feel like ownership is the place to start. But I-, I want your thoughts. You've been in the league. You've been around a long time. Where do we start? How do we get better? Because I feel like without representation and ownership, we're never really going to make any change. Uh, I mean, I think you hit it out of the ballpark with with that synopsis. I made I made the comments last week and this week, and I took a lot of heat for it, but I was merely giving what I believe is the solution to what seemingly is a problem that is not going to change. Ownership is not going to change the way they do things because it's a privately owned business. So if you don't understand business and the business practices of how those things work and how the, it, you operate, then you're not going to be able to work towards a, a solution to begin with. Understanding that they're going to handle business the way that they feel is best for their bottom line is really all they're concerned about. Yeah. So the only way to actually get a real result and a resolution is to impact the bottom line. I made the comment, if everyone is so up in arms and outraged by the lack of inclusion and diversity, 
then the way that you get things to change is not through a Rooney rule, but through through solidarity of everyone coming together and saying we're not doing, we're not playing, or we're not going into the the stadiums, we're not watching the games until until there are more minorities that are being being put in position to represent the teams and the leagues and the organizations. People got upset about it. People say, well, that'll never happen. You'll never get everybody on the same page to do it. Well, that's exactly why ownership continues to handle things the way that they handle things is because if you think about it, Rosa Parks had to sit sit in the back of the bus. She didn't want to sit in the back of the bus. Right. All right. If if they don't stop using the buses, they're still going to continue to operate the way that they wanted to operate. Why did they change the rule? Because their bottom line was impacted by people coming together in solidarity to stop riding the buses. They started walking to and from where they were going. If you can't make an extreme sacrifice for an extreme result, then you're not going to get the, the, the result that you're seeking and that you're looking for. So to me, I feel like if you're going to impact them, you have to impact their bottom line. If you're going to impact the bottom line, how else do you impact the bottom line? So it, it is what it is, right? And, and I, also, I ultimately say unless people are willing to put their actions where their words are, it's just mock outrage to me. It's just mock outrage because you're not putting yourselves in position to take what you're upset and outraged about and making it change, making forcing a difference in a change. And along the same lines, like, you know, Roger Goodell said a lot of same things he said many times before, but one of the things he said was, this is the same way we started our press conference last year, which is true and nothing has changed because nobody is making anything change. We can just keep having conversations every year. We're just going to keep going on and on and watching football, and we're just keep talking about. Well, it. and who does Roger Goodell work for? Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> who does he work Levar- for? <laughs> so that's that's the idea of it. That's the way that all plays out. Levarington sits down with us uh, here at the Super Bowl Radio Row in Los Angeles. Uh, Commanders, go. What do you think? I mean, listen to the way you said it. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Listen to the way you just said it. <laughs> Say it again. What do you think about what? Commanders. Okay. You didn't say, <laughs> what do you think about the commanders? Like, this is a this is a layup. This is a slam dunk. This is it. You said, what, what do you think about uh, the commander? Will you, if somebody brought you a commander's T-shirt, would you wear it? Uh, can, I, can I ask an honest question? <laughs> sure. Here's an honest question. What is a commander? <laughs> Fair. I mean, it's a it's, it's an old ass term, it, isn't it? Is. it? Yeah, like it's it's like an old war term, right? You're commanding the army, I think. A commander. Commanders, like. Well, they command I get, I get, I get. The president is the commander and chief, right? Like, I get that, but commanders. I said this. I said this. If they win, if they win, then the name takes on a personality and an identity of its own and it works sure. so it goes from being commanders like you're saying commanders because they've been some trash for so long that it's like you got to come with a better name than that for the mess that you're trying to clean up but in reality if they are truly indeed cleaning up the mess which all things i've heard coming out of there that eric Wright and those guys are, are doing a phenomenal job 
of of really really trying to revive and 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 reboot what's going on this could be a renaissance opportunity for this this organization this could be the moment in time where you can take a plummeting uh in popularity and in in uh success organization and and try to recreate and and bring bring back some pride and and some some you know some I don't want to say dignity because it's, it's I mean it's sports but sure. you want you you want to restore the loyalty that that you have had from the fans that have stood through it all in and representing this this organization in particular so I mean, I'm not, you know, just to hear the word itself, it doesn't move me. It doesn't. But but for all the things that they have, red tails and red wolves, like there's no wolves in, in D.C. I don't and, like red wolves. What, well, where's the wolf coming from? Uh, like, like for me. There's no like, lakes in Los Angeles. It's like, the uh, yeah, but they win. <laughs> right? Am I paying attention to them winning <laughs> NBA championships and being one away from the all-time winning this organization and franchise in NBA history, or am I paying attention to the fact that they came from Minnesota, right? Like, it's kind of like it doesn't matter if you're winning. But if you're not winning, then don't be pulling no names out where I can poke holes in it as easily as saying something like, first off, if you use red tails or red wolves, you're not really separating yourself from what the old term is anyway. So as long as you got that red involved, everybody knows what you're insinuating, so it's disingenuous to begin with. Uh, My good friend uh, had a dog named LeVar. Oh, love it. I want to know how many people have like. We don't sent need you no mouse. Uns- we don't need no cats. <laughs> we need more dogs. Got them dogs. Got them dogs. <laughs> how many people have like tagged you on Instagram and sent you things like, "Hey, here's my dog. It's it's Levar. I've named it after." Well, you. when I played a lot, I've had horses named after me. I've had jackasses named after me. <laughs> um, I've had all kinds of kids. I've had all kinds of different um, categories bear the name either Arrington or Levar which I find to be super flattering and super cool because you think enough of me that you want to have someone or something uh, involved in your life on a daily that, that reminds you of me or honors me in some way. I think that that's super cool. Uh, have just a couple of things that you've been awesome so far. With uh, I have 18 million. I'm only going to limit it to five here, so you're good. Uh-huh. Uh, Vegas, we are Vegas. We're in Las Vegas. We love Vegas. I am like the president of the fan club of Las Vegas. But we've taken some heat from some columnists saying NFL going to Vegas. Now all these guys are getting in trouble. It's not Vegas's fault. The guys are getting in trouble, right? Well, I mean, what? So we're talking about Judy and well, we had we had the Kamara incident over the weekend with the Pro right, Bowl, and right. obviously a couple of Raiders had uh, their issues this season yeah. as well. It's not like no, Las Vegas always... is not at fault. The NFL is a microcosm of the entire whole of of society. You're always going to have a portion of people who get in trouble. That's not new, and that's not unique to Las Vegas. That's just what it is. You can go to any team and find that there have been guys that have gotten in trouble on every single team. So it's not because of location. I mean, maybe there's danger zones more so or trouble zones more so in some markets rather than others, but it still ultimately comes down to are you being accountable for yourself and your actions and, and your what your you know what your what your behavior ultimately is in terms of for you and and your life and your lifestyle. 
So if, if your lifestyle leads to you heading down that, that fast-paced freeway of trouble, then that's exactly what you're going to, to come into. If, if your lifestyle is a healthy one and it's about giving back, I mean, I do so many great things in, in the community for the youth and, and to give back to my communities. I'm too busy doing things to help to get in trouble. So my whole thing is, is if you're getting in trouble, you got too much time on your hands. Find more things to do. <laughs> you know, that's what you need to blame it on. You don't have enough to do. Fair point. Uh, there's a game this week. I know some there, people there care about that. There is a game. That. There's a game. Uh, what is the key to the game? And also, uh, what are you doing out here? How you, you got to win up front. I love the week. I live out here. I live in I live in Glendora, so okay. I, li- I live in California. Um, you got to win in the trenches. Whoever can win in the trenches will win this game, and I think yeah. that's ultimately what it comes down to. You got running attacks on both sides of the ball. I get that that advantage to to the Bengals. You have linemen, defensive linemen that can impact the game. I get that advantage, though, to the, the Rams. Um, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, I get the advantage to, to the Rams quarterback. I think Matthew Stafford is, is primed and prepped to be able to, to get this done. Even though he's never been this far in, in the game, he still is a, a trained season vet. Um, in terms of secondaries, I think both secondaries are going to have long days. There are multiple multiple weapons on both sides of the ball that could dictate a lot of how th- you know things are going to unfold. But I ultimately think that the Rams are going to be a little bit too much for for what the the Cincinnati Bengals are bringing. However, with that being said, and I'm usually not an on the fence type of guy, but I will say, however, I would not be surprised if the dude cooler than a cucumber or the other side of the pillow. Uh, comes through again and delivers a championship. Joe Burrow is proving that he's a winner. And nothing says more than being a winner than having one of the greatest, if not greatest, college football seasons ever in the history of the game, but also um, taking a franchise that most people would say you would never anticipate certain teams, certain certain organizations making runs and pushes for the Super Bowl, and Cincinnati was on that list of, of people. So that's just one of those things where, for me, I would not be not one bit surprised if Joe Burrow starts this next um, this next go-around of the next generation of major stars as it applies to, to the National Football League. There you go. Only two guys that have won a consensus national championship and a Super Bowl, Joe Namath. Joe Montana, Joe Burrow could be how the about third. It. Everybody named Joe. Lavar, what should people uh, what should people check out that you're doing, and uh, how can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at King of the Mammals. You know, I go down on all fours when there's full moons out, and I <laughs> howl at it, and I run with the pack every once in a while. Um, so I'm at King of the Mammals on Instagram. You also could go to Fox Sports Radio. Um, I'm, I, I do five days a week the morning show, East Coast Morning Drive, called Two Pros and a Cup of Joe. I do a weekend show with TJ Hushmanzada and, and Plexico Burrs called uh, Up on Game. Uh, two Pros and a, a Cup of Joe is Brady Quinn and Jonas Knox. So I'm pretty busy. You beat them down on that show pretty well. Well, I think we have a really, really good time. I think we just, just you know, a couple guys just kicking it and, and 
you know, talking about topics and different things. It isn't always easy. Obviously, this Flores conversation was uh, uh, was not an easy, you know, few few days to talk about. Yeah. So, but it's for the most though. part, we keep it pretty light, you know, and and have a good time with talking sports. It's definitely needed conversations at times for uncomfortable conversations. For sure. Well, thank you very much, man. We'll talk to you again very soon. Appreciate you, Levar Arrington. Thanks. Appreciate it. Former Redskin. Former Giants, number two pick in the draft back in 2000. His spot and all the spots on Radio Row are brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. These guys are Las Vegas-based. They're not just coming in recently from L.A. These are Vegas guys, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Matt Hoffman and Justin Watkins, here to help you and protect your rights. If you've been injured, last thing you want to do uh, is deal with insurance companies, body shops, court systems, the doctor's appointments, none of it. Your medical bills are piling up and you're unable to work. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers for help. Free consultation, 570-9000, 570-9000, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. The roundtable did bring forward another witness that uh, spoke about her experience with Washington. I think we treat that very seriously, um, and we need to look into that. We'll um, obviously do an investigation. We've said that uh, from day one. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Roger Goodell, State of League, commish press conference that he does every single year at the Super Bowl. One of the best moments ever, of course. Well, it's, it's moments for sure. The uh, constant questions years and years and years ago about Las Vegas and legalized gambling, and there was always this stance of, like, we can't do that. Well, things have changed, right? They got a cut, and... Now Vegas is cool. Now sports gambling is cool. Uh, Adam, how many people attended that? And what was the biggest thing you got from Goodell? You know, when he's talking about the 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 you know the Redskins, Commanders, the football team situation, I almost feel bad for him, and I'll explain it. But uh, the other questions, how big was the attendance, and what was the biggest story for you? Uh, I believe it was officially limited to a hundred. Um, I would. I thought about eighty, maybe less were there. Uh, and obviously, half were from Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was you know it was I, I thought there was a lot of questions, a lot of poignant questions, certainly about um, you know the the diversity in hiring. Uh, obviously, the lawsuit that was filed by Flores, but uh, just in general, like the the lack of progress. And I think one of the common themes was, hey, we had these same questions and answers last year, and nothing changed. Um, he brought that up himself. Um, and he also took some responsibility and said, yeah, everyone, you know, everyone has to take responsibility from me on down uh, through all the teams and, and things have to get better. And he said, we think the process is good. We believed in the process, but maybe it's not because the outcomes certainly have not been there that the process was supposed to ensure. Right. Well, I'm glad they're open to it. And I know they had the roundtable with uh, lots of African-American leaders and a lot of people around the country media people were saying where are the owners involved in the roundtable the owners weren't part of it right don't the owners need need to have the dialogue and hear the suggestions and the displeasure i mean yeah yeah the answer is yes um but i mean I, my my thought is the if those are the same owners that you're always going to have nothing's ever going to change and and then beyond that think about what you just said if it's the same owners that you're always going to have, and then you have situations like 
what's going to happen eventually with Stevie Jones, with uh, Bobby Kraft's kid, uh, what's his name, Jonathan, with Cal McNair. Um, that's the other problem is the, you know, in many cases, the apple falls right next to the freaking tree. So how do you change ownership? Yeah, the, re- the reason I said, in some ways, I feel bad for Raj. And then, you know, I hear about his check, whatever it is, 33 to $45 million a year. So this is what comes with the work. But he, behind the scenes, if you could be a fly on the wall, what he must say about Dan Snyder's team and Dan Snyder's behavior, it must be unbelievable. I mean, I, I can't imagine he's, he, he doesn't cuss about that dude every day. I'm sure he does. And, and I thought, you know, not that it was a huge like piece of news. It's not going to generate headlines necessarily. But, you know, he did make the point, And I think he could have avoided it. He didn't. He said, yes, I believe we have a process for the other owners to get rid of owners. And that was in regards to Ooh. Ross. It was in regards to Ross. Right. right. But, you know, I, I don't I don't think it was lost on me that I was, when I was sitting there, I was like, ooh, okay. Give me a little Goodell, Ari. And, uh, I mean, he kind of goes with a, a run on here. But he was talking about the NFL having to investigate the football team, the commanders, because, uh, I mean, what's happened to this point, investigating yourself simply doesn't work. We need to understand what really truly happened in those circumstances and treat that uh, in the best uh, and most serious way uh, we can to make sure we preserve the type of culture we want uh, in the NFL. I do not see any way that a a team can do its own investigation of itself. Uh, That's something that uh, we would do. We would do it with an outside expert that would be able to help us um, come to the conclusion of what the facts were and what really truly happened so that we can make the right decision from there. So we'll, we'll treat that seriously and move forward. And I would love to take him uh, you know, on his word, 100%, and not be cynical, Adam, but uh, you can't help but believe that the fact that the NFL is you know, finally going to go in there and really do an investigation is because this thing got in front of some Congress people last week, and they started asking the tough questions, which means eventually they might be able to get a lot of the material. So I think the NFL's got to be proactive because you know, they've, they've waited way too freaking long. Yeah, it was it was almost like a like a let's hope it doesn't go any further. Right. Like, oh man, this is probably going to blow up and this is probably going to be really bad, but let's just hope it doesn't go any further and that hope has failed. And now it's gone further and they can see the writing on the wall that it's going to go even further and then they're going to have some real 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 difficult questions to answer. Uh not that the questions aren't tough right now, uh, but they can kind of speak around it a little bit. But the more that comes out, the more information that's there, the more details are known, the uglier it's going to get. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. You didn't hear teams lining up like, we'll give you whatever to get him. What you heard is Russ's camp putting that out there to gauge the interest of people but it never came to fruition. There's nothing wrong with him at the quarterback spot. He's just not a guy, if the situation isn't perfect, that can take you where you're trying to go. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. And that guy does a good job on our national morning show. I don't think he knows what he's talking about half the time. That was Keyshawn Johnson saying that there was no interest last year for Russell Wilson in the trade, that is bunk. <laughs> I think I think the interest was not shown publicly because it wasn't a real opportunity because Keyshawn is right in this. Russell Wilson going somewhere and having a list that was all from the Russell Wilson side and 
Seattle immediately told everyone he's not available, so don't bother freaking making the offer. But if he's available, Caleb Herring's in. What do you think, Caleb? You don't think people are going to step up with a nice price to get Russell Wilson? Uh, I think there's probably only five teams that wouldn't, probably, and those are the teams that have their quarterback in the future. But just about everybody else in the NFL would, would be chomping at the bit to add Russell Wilson to the roster. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, uh, me also, if, if your team, basically, if your team is not ready to go, if your team's not perfect, then he's not going to take you where you want to go. What does that even mean? I mean, does would Russell Wilson going to a team that is just outside the playoffs, does he make a difference yeah. enough healthy to get them to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, he gets them to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. But like, like you said, I don't really know what if you're saying anything – False when you say that if you're Keyshawn, but I don't know if that same sentence wouldn't be true for anybody. Like any court, if you didn't put Tom Brady on a team that was ready to win a Super Bowl, they wouldn't win a Super Bowl. I mean, it's not like Tom Brady won every year, and part of the reason that he wasn't in New England to end his career is because New England was not ready to be a contender, even with Tom Brady. Right? I mean, Aaron Rodgers made a big stink about what the Packers had failed in his mind of, of not having a team or putting a team together that was ready to win um, all the time. And, I mean, it turns out it didn't really matter what the Packers did. They still wouldn't get out of the, the first round of the playoffs. But it, it's you could say that about anybody, any quarterback. It's a team game. And if you don't have a team that's ready to win, they're not going to win no matter who you put at quarterback. You can put the greatest quarterback of all time on the Detroit Lions, and I don't think – They'll get to the Super Bowl that year. I, I mean, so I don't, I don't know what he's really saying by making that statement. It's, it's not a lie. It's true. But is that supposed to be some sort of knock on Russell Wilson? No, it's just, it's just a true statement about quarterbacking in general. I'll transition to local. Uh, are the Raiders a team ready to win? Should they be looking at a guy like Russell Wilson or looking to go younger and rebuilding? Uh, no, I don't think uh, for that position, no. I don't think they should be looking to, to rebuild there. I think they got to do a, a lot to build up the defense um, and really realistically just get healthy on offense. I think they're one piece away offensively from being a contending team from that side. But the, the building needs to be done defensively. I think with with Carr being the guy, which I would be in favor of him being the guy, I think you can still make one final push at, at making it over the hill. Um, if your defense comes together, if your defense plays better, um, it's not at the bottom half of the league. For most of the season and you know it, it's really tough with this past season to really determine where the Raiders are um, as a team because of everything they went through right I mean um, the roster at the end of it without the head coach one of the star receivers being on, available um, you can't really judge but I, I think they still got one more push um, as far as picking up a couple of free agents here or there um, primarily on the defensive side of the ball to really make a, a run at being a, a winning team or a team that has a shot and I think you don't necessarily need to blow up the quarterback spot. Derek Carr, I think, still got some left in the tank where you can hold on to him for three, four more years and, and, and make a push for it um, with him as the, as the current quarterback. I guess my concern with that would be, yeah, I think there is a couple of changes you can make, a couple of guys you can add, a couple of positions to bolster, and then all of a sudden you are competitive to the point that you want to be. But are you setting yourself potentially back if it doesn't work? Are you saying – Hey, we're we're gonna try to patch some things here and there and try to try to make a run, but then if we have to reset next year, we could have started this last year. Well, you could say that, uh, and it, or you could be where the Rams are right now, right? Sure. Where they kind of pushed all their chips to the middle of the table, and now they're on their way to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, there's always a risk. There's no guarantees with any decisions you make. 
Um, and like we saw this season, we thought it was going to be a much better season from the way things started with the Raiders. But who knew that John Gruden would be investigated or his emails would surface? Who knew that Amy Ruggs would have his situation go on, right? Who, who knew that was going to happen? <laughs> so there's a lot of things that can go into why it might not be right. But I think from my eye, from my perspective, I think looking at what the Raiders have um, and some of the things they were able to piece together late last year, um, uh, one of the things I think highlighted being the defensive line play improving so much. I think that was something that, okay, we, could, we can work with that defensively from a defensive standpoint. And Derek Carr still being who he was. And Hunter Renfro stepping into some bigger shoes because of necessity. And um, even with Darren Waller being out for a lot of the season, um, him still being a stud at that position. And Jacobs uh, in the, late in the season coming on strong. It's like there's a lot to say that the Raiders have to work with where I wouldn't be so quick to push the rebuild button. I'd say let's give it another go with this and try to try to make the most of it um, and then rebuild later. Um, like I said, there's there's pros and cons to that approach, but I just think the Raiders roster and the situation that they have with potential free agent signings of this offseason, I'd say I'd lean towards working with what you got and making one push for it or at least a couple more pushes for it, giving it a couple seasons to finally reach the top of the mountain. Without knowing who's going to be a quarterback and, and the changes made, Screw it, man. I don't care. I'm going to make a prediction already for next season. You ready for this? This is also, by the yeah. way, this is one of my pet peeves. I teased the Raiders' record and what it was going to be yesterday, and I didn't deliver on it. Ari, remember that? Um, I say, is it on the tease board? you got to remind me. Um, I say next year they go 9-8. and eight. I would be more bullish because I actually think McDaniels can do a decent job, and I think they'll rework the roster so it gets better. But as Adam knows from looking at the schedule, the schedule is not easy. There's a lot of tough road spots. It's a lot harder, I think, than this previous uh, year's schedule. Yeah, I mean, I haven't delved into the schedule like like you have, and I, I'm not willing to make that that kind of a uh, prediction yet. Now, I'll, give you, um, I'll give, just give you games what I would call the back end. The dates aren't set. These are, uh, I'll say, the final nine games. Again, the dates are not set. You ready? Arizona, Arizona at home. San Francisco. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> San Fran at home. At Chargers. At Rams. At Titans. At Seattle. Home Patriots. At Saints. At Steelers. That's I mean, pretty, they're, list, it's a pretty good list of teams. The, the ones I started out with, and that was the back end of the schedule. I'll call it the back end. It, it is. It, I mean, but there's a lot of question marks around those teams as well. I mean, this is the, the first Steelers team without Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yep. I mean, so that's got to count for something with what Kyler Murray's doing with Arizona. Who knows what happens with them? I mean, I don't know how much power his social media feed has with Cardinals roster decisions and management. But, I mean, the Cardinals are not a team that's uh, um, coming out full steam ahead as far as, you know, assurance that they're going to be a solid team toward the end of the season next year. Um, and but then also as the Raiders, it's going to have you're going to have a tough. You play uh, the AFC, what probably one of the tougher divisions in football. And just looking at projections, what the Chargers could be, um, potentially what the Broncos turn into. I mean, they yep. got some some room to make some moves in the offseason. So yet yeah, the division alone, just playing those teams twice, it's going to be tough sledding for the Raiders, right? Um, I, I actually, we'll, I we'll have, see. I had them sweeping the Broncos because I don't think the Broncos are going to get some big upgrade at quarterback. But that's that's not a guarantee. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty tough. Uh, Caleb Herring is with us, football insider, former UNLV quarterback. I want to talk to UNLV here in uh, in just a second because we got some big news this last week with the uh, 
the OC and the DC. But back to your mention of Kyler Murray for a second. Uh, I think anyone who's seen would think that Murray scrubbing his social media really isn't anything. Is it something? And I'll, I'll also throw this one at you. If you were playing college football now, right, and you're not as mature as you are now, could you see yourself getting so pissed off at UNLV or at the coach and go, you know what, I'm going to scrub everything. Social media is clear. I'm going to send them a message. You, you know, no. I don't. I guess I don't. I, it's, it seems it's so, to me, it's so petty. And it's like when, you know, you, you do something like that with your, your ex-girlfriend or something, right? Like you have a bad breakup. And you just want to go back and make sure there's no evidence that you, you like that person or whatever. It just seems sort of petty and childish and immature. Like you said, I probably in college could have made such an immature decision. But um, this is kind of it's two things. It's it's the, the growth and the power and influence of social media. We've seen that um, over the course of the last decade, I guess. Um, the fact that people can make such bold, I guess, what we have to look at as bold statements with their social media platforms. Um, so we do have to take it somewhat seriously. And he could be making political or otherwise. In this case, it's a you know the, the franchise and, and the, the player dispute. He could be making a statement by doing that. The second thing is, we've also fed into the ego of some of these people who have a large social media presence, where the, the fact that Kyler Murray feels like that's how you conduct business, or that's how you send a message to uh, a, a billion dollar organization by scrubbing all evidence of them from your social, your social media feed, right? Like Kyler Murray, who is employed by these people, um, you feel like you can, that's the appropriate way to send a message, if that's what he's, what he's doing. If that's the appropriate way to send a message, I think is a part of our culture feeding into the egos of these people. And it's, I, I, I understand they have power, they have influence, they should be able to make uh, uh, choices uh, uh, regarding their own careers. But at some point, that decision has to be made with some sort of business decorum and not using social media feeds to send that message and then send the media into a frenzy uh, talking and essentially pushing narratives now that Kyler Murray didn't have to push. We were just talking about Russell Wilson and how his agent said, these are the four teams we'd be interested in playing for, yada, yada, yada. That's, you know, the sa essentially the same kind of thing he's doing here, except his agent didn't have to make that statement. Now it's all the media speculating on what he's saying by scrubbing his social media of, yep. of the Cardinals. It's like, who does he want? So he's doing the same thing. It's the same manipulation, but just in a more covert way where he's not necessarily um, being a distraction to the franchise, if you want to call it that. But it's, it's. I think it's getting out of hand, and I, I don't know that this is the way that we want business to be conducted on on this large of a stage right now. So that's my thoughts on Kyler Murray. I, I, after, especially after what he did against the Rams, um, I don't think Kyler Murray's any in any position to be showing this level of ungratefulness to the organization that essentially drafted him at the top and has done things to make his career to start a very successful one, in my opinion. Maybe at the Pro Bowl, he got like an intense recruiting pitch from another player on a, on a team that's better. Who knows? Um, UNLV football, Caleb Herring, bigger loss for Marcus Arroyo, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator? Because they both took jobs and arguably stepped up. Yeah, I think it's I, I would say, yes, arguably they both stepped up um, as far as the ranks of coaching goes. Um, I think it's a bigger loss for a defensive coordinator. And I, I say that not because I don't value offense or I Defense obviously wins games, and UNLV's defense, let's be, be clear, wasn't a juggernaut defense, even by the Mountain West standards. They, I think over 30 points they allowed per game. Um, but I say that because Marcus Royal is a more offensive-minded coach. I mean, he has coordinator 
um, background. He's obviously was a quarterback. Um, the language of the offense, I think, is more easy for him to, I guess, identify with and take over, take the helm, I guess, or take a bigger role there um, from an offensive standpoint. So defensively, without without Hanson, it's going to be, can I find somebody that maybe speaks close to the language as Hanson? Can I find somebody that agrees with the philosophy we've sort of established? Um, and then can I trust that person now to be in charge of the entirety of the defense? While the offensive coordinator maybe just have, we, I have to have a good relationship with them. We can kind of work together and, and, and make this thing work. Now you're talking about a defense that, um, let's say, they already were making a, a big change with the 3-4 uh, as years past of UNV um, since 2020. And then, again, the defensive-mindedness of the team. I think you have Ooh. to be aware of that. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Is that no, a trigger no. word? No, no, no. Actually, no. You know what? I just thought about that, that – I mean, essentially, they, he, Marcus Arroyo has to hire a 3-4 guy. I mean, their defense and has, is now built for 3-4. And they exactly. Recruit, and that's, they recruited to 3-4. They recruited heavily for 3-4 style. We, we made a right. big discussion about that over the past two years, where now you, you've kind of limited the search for a defensive coordinator. So um, that's got to come into consideration, right? And we know how important putting personnel in the right position is. And you saw that with Jacoby Women and the evolution of his game last year moving him from a defensive end in a 4-3 scheme to now in the center of a 3-4 scheme as that middle linebacker, so to speak, position. So it's going to be important to match the personnel with the new defensive coordinator scheme. And I think that's going to be a more daunting task than a new offensive coordinator. And that's why I say that move is more important. I, I, and with spring ball fast approaching, which is yep. a major install period for both offense and defense, it's going to be really important to kind of light a fire under that search to make sure that the system you're implementing in the spring lines up with the personnel that you just recruited lines up with the personnel you've been recruiting for the past two off seasons. So I think DC is definitely a more, uh, a significant loss as far as the UNLV roster and their situation going forward. Um, but again, both coaches, I think taking steps up, which I guess speaks well for the Royal staff. They're making moves in the upward direction. They're trending upward. Unfortunately yeah. means they lost two of the good ones. Uh, we'll talk about the offense next week. Last minute here reserved for uh, Super Bowl. I just wanted to go with it on this angle. Uh, Caleb's a big studier of quarterbacks. You can hear when he does the game, and he's really into the quarterbacking and all that stuff. Um, as a fan, who are you a bigger fan of? Like, what do you admire more, what Matt Stafford does or what Joe Burrow does? Joe Burrow. I, that was pretty quick. I pulled the trigger quick. He's probably been one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch the last few seasons. I mean, since he kind of blew up on the national uh, scene at LSU. Um, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch for a lot of different intangible reasons. Um, and then for his his feel for the game, it, it's something that you really it's it's part of the intangibles. But um, it's like a good point guard watching a good point guard orchestrate the offense in basketball. It's there's like a beauty to it. There's like the timing of the plays he makes. I, I, there's a guy that takes nine sacks and doesn't even change his facial expression in the game and comes out and wins that game. <laughs> to me, as as a quarterback watching that, I'm like that. Ha like, how do you control your emotions that much? How do you have that much confidence in yourself and your team to go out there and execute and be right so often in your decision-making? Um, and then, you know, watch him against Kansas City, those those three crucial runs. And it's like he took nine sacks the game before, and everybody's like, why didn't he run? Well, the, the game didn't necessarily need it. And then he takes the Kansas City Chiefs and runs for, I think, two or three first downs, big first downs to win that ball game late in the game. And it's like, yeah, he does it when he needs it and when his team needs it. And that understanding, that feel for the game and how he can impact the game in key moments. To me, I'm a fan of watching Joe Burrow do that. And he is who I would trust in this game, even though Stafford has a, 
a great career as far as his individual stats and accolades go. Um, I think I'd say that Joe Burrow is a quarterback I trust. I'm a fan of Joe Burrow, so I'm kind of saying who I'm rooting for here, although <laughs> there's a narrative that I'd, I'd like the Rams to win at home too, and I, I like a lot of the Rams players and what they represent. It's going to be a good game, I hope, um, but I'm, I'm definitely a fan of Joe Burrow and what he's been able to do so early in his NFL career. I, I think the sky's the limit for where he can take it. Caleb, awesome spot as always. Have a good week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you. All right, guys. Have a good one. You enjoy too. There he is. Well, I'll enjoy it. Believe me. I might not watch much of the game. It'll be uh, recorded, but I, I always enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, no about to doubt it. No about to doubt it. All right, we close out with uh, what's going on with the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, the Knights shorthanded again. And we'll tell you about the situation on the way back. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Pick your hand in there, Dave. Wrapping it up on Radio Row. Adam Hill is in L.A. Cofield here in Vegas in our Finley Toyota studio with Ari. Great job by Ari wrangling up all the guests with the help of uh, Jared, who is down there uh, facilitating everything get in the bag stick your hand in there dave so we got a 6 30 start adam uh vgk at calgary boy oh boy last night hello huh. that was nice four nothing shutout oh yeah and everybody getting healthy all the guys back in the lineup great boy. news golden knights fans are fired up because they've got the, the lineup they expected and they're even getting the new guy back very soon everything's looking up and mark stone has an upper body injury yeah, so will not no Mark Stone, and then we got the bad news on White Cloud too, right? Yeah, uh, to the IR. So uh, we'll find out, you know, exactly uh, how long uh, that could be. But I know, that, you know, they're going to be making some moves anyway. I, it, you know, he said this was not part of that. Um, you know, DeBoer said it was not really uh, a part of trying to negotiate the salary cap and everything like that. So uh, we'll find out when he comes back. But uh, just when it looked like everyone was going to be in the lineup, and maybe they'd even have a full lineup by next week. Guy starting to fall off the wayside again. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Fall by Flip the wayside? No, no, no. Just close. One more time. Fall by the wayside? Not off. Fall off the wayside? I don't know what that meant. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Flip over to RTHG. Ryan, the hockey guy. Fox Sports, 1340, 98.9 FM for all the hockey coverage leading up to the 630 puck drop. Right here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll have the Kevin Kruger radio show at Bailiwick inside the Orleans. I don't think Coach Kruger is going to be there tonight. Stepping in for him is Brandon Chappelle, assistant coach. I saw a photo earlier of uh, Carlin Hartman and uh, the UNLV plane, and I believe that uh, Hartman and Kruger are going to be out recruiting. So recruiting the lifeblood of any basketball program. I know last week they had in a top 15 national recruit, um, and there are some big boys going after the player, and uh, UNLV has some ties to that player, so it'll be kind of interesting to see what he does if he chooses to go to places like Kansas or Texas Tech or if uh, we go back to the olden days, not that old, right, of Dave Rice and Marvin Menzies when generally each year they would land a top 25 player in the country. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Have you decided where you're going to break bread tonight? That's always a fun part of the Super Bowl road trip. Where are you and Q going? Uh, don't have plans I'm actually uh, I found out that the the Whole Foods salad bar is back operational 
Wow. Uh, I did not know that. So I think I'll, that's I'll be stopping on the way home. Um, really? All the good places in L.A.? We talked to the L.A. tourism guy. He gave you suggestions. I said I wasn't going to do this. Uh, I'm literally writing from the time I wake up to the time I go. I mean, I, I'll be up until 7 writing, and then I'll be up here at 8 o'clock at the Radio Row. Beautiful. I'll be ready to go at 7. I'll be ready to go at 7 o'clock, so be ready at 7. Uh, not to torture you. All right, well, I can't wait to find out who stole Q's bag and if it was a local personality. Oh, boy.